This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance. I am an attorney who has retired from the practice of law and now spend my time acting as an insurance claims consultant, an insurance claims expert, witness, an author, and producer of these videos. Today I'd like to talk about the requirements to maintain insurance as part of a construction contract. Insurers who insure the liability of contractors will often include in their policy a warranty, a promise that compels the general contractor to obtain proof that all its subcontractors are insured and usually that those subcontractors name the contractor as an additional insured. In an important case, North American Capacity Insurance Company versus Claremont Liability Insurance Company, a 2009 decision of the California Court of Appeal dealing with a clause rarely litigated, the California Court of Appeals enforced such an agreement and issued a warning to all general contractors who do not comply with similar warranties that they may be eliminating their own coverage. In the American Capacity case, the warranty or condition required that the insured follow its general business practice to get hold harmless agreements and certificates of insurance from its independent subcontractors. The insured failed to do so and tried to enforce the contracts claiming unsuccessfully that it did not need to comply with the warranty. The warranty provided that coverage afforded by the policy, quote, shall not apply, close quote, to operations performed by the independent contractors unless the insured, quote, has received a written agreement from each and every independent contractor holding the insured harmless from all liabilities incurred by the independent contractor and has obtained certificates of insurance from each and every independent contractor indicating that the independent contractor will maintain similar coverage as provided by this policy. Close quote. The insurance industry also uses similar warranties that require that each independent contractor name the general contractor, the owner, and or the developer as additional insureds. This is transferring risks not only by buying insurance, but by also moving the risk from the owner and the general contractor down to various subcontractors. If the general contractor does not have in its possession certificates of insurance from every independent contractor at the time the work begins and throughout the construction, the insurance may and usually will be unenforceable Every general contractor, developer, and subcontractor that uses subcontractors must be certain to obtain the certificates required by similar policy terms. Failure to do so can be devastating.
The Court of Appeal, in reaching its decision, applied settled doctrines with regard to interpretation of an insurance policy. Such interpretation in California is a question of law that the Court of Appeal can review as if it were the trial court. Notwithstanding that insurance policies have special features, they are still nothing more than contracts to which ordinary rules of contract interpretation apply. The Court of Appeals concluded that fundamental objective of contractual interpretation is to give effect to the mutual intention of the parties. If possible, the court will determine that intent solely from a contract's written provisions. The clear and explicit meaning of the contractual provisions, interpreted in their ordinary and popular sense, governs judicial interpretation unless the words are used by the parties in a technical sense or a special meaning is given to them by usage or by definitions within the policy itself. If a lay person would ascribe to the contract language a meaning that is not ambiguous, the court applies that meaning. Reviewing the trial court's factual findings for substantial evidence, the appellate court starts with the presumption that the record contains evidence to uphold every finding of fact, and the person appealing has the burden to demonstrate that there is no substantial evidence to support the findings under attack. In Scottsdale Insurance Company versus Essex Insurance Company, a uh, 2002 decision of the California Court of Appeal, the appellate court enforced an endorsement substantially similar to the endorsements it issued in the Claremont case, finding the special condition endorsement to be unambiguous and therefore enforceable. In Scottsdale, the insured a licensed architect and general contractor built a large single-family residence purchased by the operas. The final inspection was completed in April of 1991, and the operas purchased the home in October of 1991. Within months, water began to infiltrate the home, and several years later, sewage, sewage spilled in and under the home due to a failed pump leading to a buildup of mold, not to mention the stink. The operas filed a claim against the insured. The insured, in turn, referred the claim to his insurers. Essex Insurance Company provided comprehensive general liability insurance to the insured, and Scottsdale Insurance Company provided such insurance for the years following. Essex denied the claim, but Scottsdale accepted the insured's tender of defense, settled with the operas, and then sought equitable contribution from Essex. The Essex policy of insurance contained a special condition endorsement, similar to the endorsement in other cases requiring that the insured, one, obtain certificates of insurance from all subcontractors, 
Two, obtain hold harmless agreements from all subcontractors, indemnifying the insured against all losses for work performed. And three, that he ensure that it was named as an additional insured on all subcontractor general liability policies. The appellate court in Scottsdale held that the endorsement did not render the policy illusory because the parties exchanged promises that represented legal obligations. If the person insured satisfied the condition that is required his subcontractors to obtain insurance naming him as an additional insured, then Essex was required to participate with those insurers in defending or indemnifying the insured. As so interpreted, the court held the Essex policy was not illusory, but was an effective policy which was controlled by a condition preceding. The appellate court, therefore, also held the endorsement was not analogous to a disfavored escape cause, because the endorsement was merely a condition preceding to coverage, not a clause that eliminated coverage in the presence of other insurance. Nor did the appellate court find the endorsement ambiguous. The requirements were clearly set forth, and the endorsement plainly states that meeting those requirements is a condition of coverage. The insured clearly was required as a condition of coverage to obtain certificates of insurance from all subcontractors, to obtain hold harmless agreements from the subcontractors against all loss for the work performed, and to make certain the insured was named as an additional insured on all the subcontractors' liability policy. It did not. Moreover, the court found that the contractor's warranty endorsements to be conspicuous, plain, and clear, and therefore easily understood by a professional architect. The lesson taught is that if a policy provision contains conspicuous references to forms applicable to all coverage on the pages listing the premium, and limits of insurance and announces that there is a forms list attached on the first page, directly under the statement that in return for the payment of the premium and subject to all the terms of the policy, they agree with the insured to provide the insurance as stated in the policy. Then a court will conclude, as did the Claremont Court, that the language of the endorsements establishes a condition to coverage rather than an exclusion for coverage. A condition precedent refers always to an act, condition, or event that must occur before the insurance co contract becomes effective or binding on the parties. In general, conditions neither confirm nor exclude coverage for a particular risk but rather impose certain duties on the insured in order to obtain the coverage provided by the policy. When there is a clear and explicit meaning in a policy warranty added by endorsement or included within the basic terms and conditions of the policy, 
as used in the ordinary and popular sense by a layperson, it will establish a precondition of coverage. Every person involved in construction contracts must ascertain if their insurance policy requires certificates and or additional insured endorsements and must make sure that their construction contract complies with the insurance requirements or they will find they have no insurance at all. So it is very important for every person insured to read the full policy. R-T-F-P. Read the full policy. And if it contains a condition or a warranty, it is essential that the insured complies with that warranty. If not, the person insured who fails to comply with a material warranty or condition precedent to coverage will find he paid for something that is useless to him. Insurance is a contract, and the requirement to fulfill the conditions of the contract apply equally to the person insured and the insurance company. This video was adapted from my book, Construction Defects and Insurance, Volume 1, which is available as both a Kindle book or a paperback from Amazon.com and from my website, Zalma.com, by clicking on the link to the Insurance Claims Library, where you will see a description of the eight volumes of Construction Defects and Insurance published by uh, me at Amazon.com. If you found this video to be useful to you, please refer it to your colleagues. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel and to my blog so that you can learn about future blogs and videos. Thank you for your attention.